Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. We are going to begin where we left off last week. And I don't want to do too much of a recap because uh, we've got so much to cover today. Remember again that in chapter 2 and verse 5, it's a, it's a kind of a funny verse because it has two sentences in one verse. And the, way, the reason that they did that was because the second part of the verse concludes the previous part of the verse and also introduces the next verse. Do you all get that? Okay. So, okay, yeah, it, it's kind of like a little bridge. So, John chapter 2, verse 5b... <laughs> okay, concludes First John chapter two, verse five a, and introduces First John chapter two, verse six. Okay, so because of that, <clears throat> I'm going to read verse five, and I want you to uh, keep that in mind as we go through it. So the first part of verse five said, "But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him." And it says, by this we know that we are in Him. So you think, okay, alright, by this we know we are in Him because the love of God is perfected in their life. However, okay, this also can be joined to the next sentence where it says, and can I just read it that way? By this we know that we are in Him. He who says he who abides in Him ought to himself also walk just as he walked. So, uh, to put it in plainer English, it says, This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. Do you get that? Okay, so do, do you all see that? Okay, don't get confused. So, what he's saying here <clears throat> is if these individuals actually kept God's words or, com- or God's commands, as they claim to have done, then they would be walking just as Jesus walked. In complete obedience to God's word, which they obviously didn't do, as evident by their lifestyle. So, again, we have this problem of their saying one thing and behaving another way. Okay? Alright, and so that is a key thing. But what I want to do is, I, I want to um, look at this in a little bit more detail and, and go a little bit beyond what the general thinking on this is. Is that okay? Alright. I Howard Marshall explains, mm-hmm. test of our religious experience is whether it produces... A reflection of the life of Jesus in our daily life. If it fails this elementary test, it is false. Okay? If we were to um, follow the word, then the word will guide us. Okay? The, The proverb says that the steps of the righteous are ordered. Okay? Which means you can't, he can't order you while we're standing still. The time that you stand still is when you're running around crazy, pulling your hair out. That's when you be still. When you're given instructions, is not the time to be still. That's when you start moving. Because now you're moving with purpose. <laughs> uh, further to this, and of greater importance, is what Simon J. Kistemacher says. So, I how Marshall brings out the kind of lifestyle that should be produced as a result of uh, um, walking in the Word. Amen? Okay, but I want you to notice what Simon J. Kissimmuck says, and that is, the phrase, we walk as Jesus did, means that as Jesus lived while he was on earth, so we must live in imitation of him. I love that. That means we need to imitate him in every aspect. See, a lot of times what happens here now is they drop the ball. We move into the area of character, which is important. 
In fact, everything that we do requires a godly character, a godly compassion. I want to go through some of the things today and show you what that actually means. Not what you think it means, but what it actually means. In other words, we are to live a life that not only reflects Christ's character, but His power as well. This is where John MacArthur said again, Those who claim to be Christian ought to live as Christ did, since they do possess His Spirit's presence and power. Amen? Now, one more, one more quote. William MacDonald adds to all this and he says, His life, as set forth in the Gospels, is our pattern and guide. This is going to be a jumping off place. It is not a life which we can live in our own strength or energy, but is only possible in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, we need to understand something. See, a lot of times people have this idea that Jesus did what he did because he was the Son of God. How many have heard that one? Okay, all right. And so, and that then excuses them to do anything that he did. Because he was the Son of God, you understand? And he did stuff because he was the Son of God. Uh, even though the Apostle John says, now are we the sons of God? That's the epistle that we're in. So we can't go past that. We hit chapter 3, that's what we hit. Anyway, so, all right, let's get back to this. <clears throat> we need to understand that Jesus didn't do any mighty works until he was filled with the Spirit. And I want to just walk you through this very quickly, beginning in Mark chapter 1 and verse 9, reading through to verse 11. It says, It, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth, Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Verse 10. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. So here is the beginning of it. Okay, the Spirit descends upon him. It didn't say he was a dove. A bird didn't come and land on Jesus' head. <laughs> okay, alright. It says that the Spirit descended on him like a dove. Okay? Alright. And it says, then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So God the Father spoke. And he confirmed that this was his Son. Amen? Just in case there was any confusion. Alright. Next in Luke chapter 4, and I'm, I'm very quickly jumping through these things because I, I just want to make a point here. It continues this event and it says in Luke 4, 1, Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit descended upon him and now Luke 4, 1 says he was filled with the Spirit. Do you understand? It says, return to the Jordan and uh, return from the Jordan. Remember he was in the Jordan when all this happened? So he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. We know he went to the wilderness. He... he um, Fought the enemy there. And he overcame the devil. The devil didn't overcome him. We need to understand that that wasn't, you know, poor old Jesus. And he was just dragging himself. And, you know, all of this stuff's coming against him. And he's going, woe is me. was not what happened. <laughs> okay? In fact, Jesus, unlike Adam and Eve, who had plenty to eat, and even then messed up. Jesus fasted 40 days, had nothing to eat. It says, when he was greatly hungry, that's a, a hunger that very few of us have ever experienced. I would venture to say, nobody has experienced that kind of hunger. He waited to that point and said to the devil, go on, give it your best shot. 
Let's see what happens. And we all know he failed. Miserably. Okay? It goes in the same verse 14. Then Jesus returned. This is following uh, that incident. It says, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. So notice, the Spirit descended upon him in Mark 1, 1.10. Then he was filled with the Spirit in Luke 4.1. Now, following battle, he is what? He returned in the power of the Spirit. Nothing that Jesus did was without the Spirit. Do you know why? Because if he did something without the Spirit, just because he was the Son of God, forget about us doing any of it. He couldn't tell us, and the Bible wouldn't say, you know, go into all the world, do all of these things. Because we'd look at him and go, but you're, you know, you're Jesus, we're not. Amen? So we need to understand something that he, you know, he could have done whatever he wanted, but what he did was show us, this is how you operate. That's the reason why when they, you know, when they were in the ship and they were about to sink, and they were going, ah, we're going to die. And he rebuked the storm, and he turned to them and said, where's your faith? See, if he was, just, if he was able to do that just because he was the son of God, then he had no right to rebuke them. Amen. He should have said, well, thank God you woke me. Because <laughs> we'd all died otherwise. <laughs> okay. And this is a lesson that we need to learn, family. We need to understand that everything that Jesus did. Otherwise, there is no way we could follow his example. We could, there is no way that we could walk as he walked. Do you understand? All right. So let's move on here. Are we good to keep going? Alright. That's the reason why Luke 4.18. So I'm following Luke here for a little while. We're still in chapter 4. Notice the progression. 4.1, what happened? He was filled with the Spirit. 4.14, okay, he came in the power of the Spirit. 4.18, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Wow! Okay, that was, that's where that, com- that, that statement comes from. He had just done battle with the devil. He had wiped him all over the floor. And he said, you know what? I've got the spirit. He's upon me. And notice what he says. He says, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. And set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He said, it's on boys. Okay, I'm here. And, then, and, and remember, it goes on to say, that he says, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears today. He said, not someday, by and by. He said, today it begins. And boy, did it start. <laughs> okay. And what, what was the conclusion and what was the result of all of this? In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, and it says, and Jesus went out. Went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Alright, we all know that, right? Okay, but that's not all he did. Today we're going to look at the other things he did. And I want you to understand the place of the Spirit in your life. See, a lot of times we're just looking for an experience. Alright? But what we're discussing today is lifestyle. Amen? See, this is where we have the problem. A lot of people go to church to have an experience. And they, you know, they're like, oh, 
hallelujah, and have a great time, and all the emotions are wonderful. And that's great. Don't, don't get me wrong. That's awesome. And that's where you should go to have some fun, man. It, you know, it should be the place where you have the best time. Can I say that? Okay. Because you get high on this spirit, and you don't crash on the other end. There's no headaches, no throw up, no, okay? And no forgetting what happened. <laughs> Remember in John chapter 2. What was the result of Jesus receiving the Spirit? In John chapter 2, remember he turned water, that's H2O, okay? He changed its molecular formula into wine. With the Spirit of God in your life, there's a lot more you can do than just get a word of wisdom. A word of knowledge and a little guidance, okay? There is power available because that creative power, that made everything that we see today. The world, okay? The earth, the fullness thereof. The galaxies, the whole universe. Everything that we see and don't see. There's stuff we don't see still. Might be things out there that are so phenomenal that there's no question that God created it all. Not that we already haven't discovered that. But I'm just waiting to see some of that stuff that everybody, you know, that jaw drops. And go, yeah, that didn't evolve. <laughs> okay, all right, anyway. <laughs> Back to this. Notice that the, 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 having the Spirit of God in Jesus Christ allowed him to do something miraculous with something natural. Okay, in a very natural way, the supernatural went to work. See, that was still a liquid. It didn't go and become a gas or something. Could have, but he didn't do that. <laughs> okay. But I want you to notice that he changed something. And as somebody, you know, somebody said, he took something that was very ordinary, water, and turned it into something extraordinary. Because remember the, the, the master of the feast said, this is really good stuff. <laughs> okay? It wasn't cheap wine. Okay? Alright. So we know that was possible. Also in Mark chapter 11, he killed a fig tree with his words. Remember, he, he said, no man, eat fruit from you hereafter forever. That's in Mark eleven fourteen. And what did he go on to say in verse 20? Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. That's how God takes care of all the problems. That's how the Spirit of God will take care of all your problems. Amen? See, he will kill the thing at its roots. You know why? Because then it can't produce anything else to come after you. Amen. You want, it, you want things taken care of on that level. Amen. Alright. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. It says, And behold, a leper came to him, uh, came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus backed off and said, well, Get away from me, you dirty thing. I'll keep your distance. I'll speak the word. You'll be right. Uh, you, you, you're looking at the Bible saying, oh. Uh, brother, that isn't in there. <laughs> okay, Look at what the Spirit of God in you does. You know one thing that a leper does not have? Is the touch of another human being. Nobody wants to touch them. Isn't it interesting? Look at, the look at what it says here. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. He didn't have to. Remember the Roman centurion? Don't bother coming. Speak the word only. My servant will be healed. And he was. Jesus said, I haven't found such great faith. So, that wasn't a problem. 
Jesus could have very easily, and I, I want you to see something here. However you are led by the Spirit, please go in that direction. Don't rationalize it. Don't say, the Lord says, place your hands on him. Go, no. <laughs> okay? Because don't worry, I'll look after it. Okay, this is what we do, man. And he says, he needs to be touched as much as healed. And you go, yeah, but I don't need to touch him, do I? Somebody else can do that. Usher. No. <laughs> she goes, no, man, I quit today. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, we need to understand something that the Spirit of God, the power of God has compassion in it as well. To walk as he walked, you need to see this. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, there might be a time when God says, don't. In fact, there will be times when you're about to touch something and God says, don't touch that. But that's not these kind of situations. That's when Satan lays a trap for you. And God says, back off. And you go, okay. And Satan goes, ah, nuts. Spent months doing that one. Amen. But there are other times when God says, go ahead. Do you hear me? And it says here, remember again, he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal or make me clean. And Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Isn't that incredible? Now, we dealt with this in Bible college. And we talked about the fact that this man wasn't just cleansed. It was, he was healed. Which means all the bits and pieces that were destroyed by that disease were restored as well. You don't think Jesus is going to send this man all disfigured back home, do you? Amen. Jesus was not afraid to touch this man. Now, in John chapter 8, remember he defends a woman caught in adultery. And he shows both wisdom and compassion here. When he says to her, remember the, the situation there. Again, I just want to talk to you today. Is that okay? I'll give you a scripture, but I want to talk to you. Remember again the situation there. Remember that this woman, you know, the circumstances are really questionable. The way they found this woman. Knew that she would be committing an act of adultery at that particular moment in time. And, was, and would drag her out to you know, uh, elicit a response from Jesus. And they were really trying to trap him. Because he was me meant to be a person of compassion. And yet the law said that whoever was caught in adultery must be stoned. Or should be stoned. Whatever. Okay. Alright. So they thought one way or the other they're going to win this argument. You know what's really interesting what Jesus did? He turned the tables on them. <laughs> he did something they were not prepared for. And he, he turns around and says, um, He who is without sin among you, he knows everybody's sinned. Okay? <laughs> Let him throw a stone at her first. He said, go on. Do you know the only person qualified there to throw a stone at her was Jesus? A lesson in that. Let me just say this. People that throw stones at people, are usually the people that have a problem in their life. The righteous don't throw stones at the unrighteous. The unrighteous throw stones at the unrighteous. And I want you to notice, and when they all departed, there was nobody left, because they all walked off. Okay? And I don't want to go through the incident, it's a very funny incident when you look at it. It's interesting what he says then. He says, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no, Lord. 
And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. See, he didn't just say, I don't condemn you. Go home. Notice he says, go, sin no more. Because sin always has a destruction attached to it. Amen? It will always bring destruction in your life. And a lot of people, you know, they say, well, why, you know, why is God so hard on people sinning? Because it causes problems in your life. You were not, not designed to sin. Can I say that? You were designed for righteousness. And you have no idea the power that is inherent in walking a godly life. It is incredible. Anyway, that was God's wisdom in operation and something that is essential to be able to walk as He walked. And to the widow who had lost her son and had no way to make a living, Jesus raises him from the dead. Now, it, this is brought out in Luke chapter 7, verses 14 through 17. I want, I'm, I'm giving you all of this so you understand what it means to walk as Jesus walked. Because this, this, you know, this verse says that we should walk. If we are keeping His commandments, we should walk as He walked. What are those commandments? See, we always think, oh, don't lie, don't steal, don't do all that. It's all the don'ts. Amen? There's a lot of do's in there. Do feel compassion. You know, do get involved when there's a situation happening that you can change it. Either with your prayers or with a word, whatever it is. Do something. Okay? Don't, st- don't stand there going, I haven't done this, I haven't done this, I'm good today. No. It's just kind of useless today. Because all you can think about is yourself. Religious people only think about themselves. About what they didn't do today. And how holy and righteous they are. And look at you, you dirty old sinner. I saw that. Wow, really? That's not a righteous person. That person is actually a worse sinner than the one that they saw sinning. Do you know why? Because they took the place of God and began to judge And Jesus said, don't judge. Only God can judge. What are we to do? Show compassion. That doesn't mean, you know, that we don't correct people. But we need to do it in love. We need to come from the place of, hey man, we all make mistakes. I just made one five minutes ago. (laughs) Okay? We need to be that way. Do you understand? And we can't get so defensive and... And, you know, and this is a mistake that I made a long time. You know, I thought I have to be perfect and then act perfect because the people that taught me said to do that. It was like you had to come from this place, this lofty place. And so that people can look at you and go, oh, but you know what happens? People look at you and go, I'll never be like that. Even you're not like that. It's all fake, okay? You know the greatest testimony is with all my failures, God still loves me and I still succeed. Does that help you? You go, woohoo, there's hope for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you mean you mean you can fail and still succeed? Yeah. It's called first John one nine. If we confess our sin, which sometimes includes failures, <laughs> okay? He's faithful and just to say, don't worry about it, let's move on. It's not what the verse says, but that's what it actually says. I mean, you know, okay. Okay? He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. He restores you. Let's do that again. 
Amen. Let's not have failure on our brain. Okay. In Luke chapter uh, 7, I was reading this to you. It says, then he came and touched the open coffin. Ooh, you don't do that, Jesus. Because <laughs> it's an unclean thing. Okay. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And he who was dead sat up and began to speak. I really wonder what he said. It wouldn't have been a quiet conversation. Do we agree? The guy was dead. He gets up in a coffin. People are carrying him. He looks down. Looks at his mom. Looks at this guy. Who are you? Jesus. Okay. Were you responsible? <laughs> okay. Can you imagine? I wonder what the, the, the pallbearers are doing. Uh, I think we should let the guy out. It's alive. Put the coffin down. <laughs> you know, okay. Hey man, come on now. All right? Just get it real here for a little bit. I mean, I think this guy was ready to dance, man. He's like, woohoo, I'm alive. Can you imagine the mother? Woohoo, he's alive. <laughs> okay? Because she, she was a widow. She had no way of making a living. That's what, what, that's what the tragedy of this was. And it says, and watch this, I love this, Luke 7 and verse 15. And he, that is Jesus, presented him, this boy, to his mother. Isn't that beautiful? He presents him to his mother. Okay, verse 16, and it says, Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us. I guess so. And God has visited his people, and this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. I'd love to preach on that, but we don't have time. Everything Jesus did was in the power of the Spirit. And if we are to do the same, that is to walk as he did, we need the Spirit of God in our lives as well. Amen? Do you understand now? This is the reason why Jesus says, Behold, this is in Luke twenty-four forty-nine. He says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. Notice he says, Don't do anything until you receive this power. Amen? Now I want you to notice something, that it wasn't just an experience, it was power. See, this is the whole problem that we're having in the church today. There's no power. There's a lot of arguing. Who's got the better you know, argument about you know, which, one, which religion is better? They're all terrible. In the Christian religion is terrible. Listen to me. This is not religion. This is reality. Religion says, don't do this, don't do that, don't that. But you know what Christianity says? Go do something. <laughs> Get out there. Help people. Don't talk their head off either. Don't Bible bash them. Okay? <laughs> you know what? You do what is right, and they will see the truth in that. And they will want to know. Amen? Amen. And so, in Acts chapter 1, you all know that Acts is, is the second book of Luke, right? Okay, they should have kept them together. I'm just saying, alright? It should have just gone straight from Luke to Acts and just continued on. Because it's the same author. And so, Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's the reason why Jesus will say in John 14.12, Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in me. Notice he said, wait for the power. Amen? Once you receive the power, watch what happens. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do because I go 
to my Father. Did you get that? What greater works? See, so much of the time, the denominationals preach that the greater, you know, all of this is talking about character. Word of faith will preach, this is talking about raising the dead. I'm telling you, this is also about compassion. All right? It's not just living a holy life. It's reaching out and touching. It's being there to bless people. It's understanding that whatever is needed to change a situation around, whether it's wisdom or whether it's power, they're both available. Amen? And for us to walk as He walked, we need to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Amen. Are you all getting this? All right. Let me conclude this. So what we have learned in verses 3 through, through 6 is that to keep His commandments is to obey the teachings of the Lord Jesus as found in the New Testament. To keep His word means not only obedience to what is written, but a desire to do what we know would please Him. Do you understand? That's everything I talked about. Again, please don't let your mind just go off into living just a holy life. It is living a useful life. <laughs> Amen? To walk as He did is the full expression of God's standard for His people. It means to live as Jesus lived. Amen? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today.